Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. Hello, everyone. Today I am recording um, from Legoland. <laughs> we came to um, celebrate my son's birthday. And so the lighting is a little bit off if you're watching me on YouTube, but that's okay. We're still doing this. Today I have a bit of a personal, maybe even vulnerable episode. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about myself and about grad school centering, how it got started, because I know that uh, there are quite a few of you who are new, um, new to the podcast and um, have found me through different social media platforms, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn or where else am I, <laughs> Pinterest. Some of y'all are new and listening and I just want to welcome you and thank you and embrace you. I, I hope that um, you find this podcast um, helpful, insightful in some way. So who am I? My name is Doctora Yvette. I am a Chicana PhD mother scholar, uh, formerly um, Alt-Ac academic staff member turned solopreneur. <laughs> and um, my, 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 my mission with grad, starting grad school centering is to help demystify academia and to provide knowledge to first-gen students of color to help them prepare for grad school in hopes that that's a stepping stone for them to pursue their personal and academic goals. And um, so I want to share a little bit more about kind of my, my backstory and um, how I got to where I'm at now. And the reason I do this is because, you know, in working with students and femme touring students for, how long has it been now? 11 years. Um, one of my favorite things to do that I would do when it was just one-on-one -on -one was have this conversation with them where I would open myself up, tell them a little bit more about myself, about my trajectory, something personal, in hopes that they might connect in some way, shape or form. They, students don't always connect with me. We all have different identities, different experiences. Clearly there's a generational divide too, but I, I always kind of like to share because you never know how you might kind of click with someone. Someone might find something that they relate to you about. So, so who am I? Um, I was uh, born and raised in Southern California in the San Fernando Valley in the Silmar, uh, San Fernando, Pacoima area. If, from, if you're from 818, you know what I'm talking about. I get excited when I meet folks from, from the Valley because y'all know, <laughs> y'all know where we're from. <laughs> and um, I was raised um, most of my life by a single mom. My father actually passed away when I was 12. He passed suddenly from a brain aneurysm. And, um, that was really hard. That was a really formative moment for myself and for my siblings. And um, I have five siblings. So I am the eldest daughter, which means a lot 
coming from a Mexican family, I, I took on a lot of responsibilities, a lot of caretaking responsibilities and domestic responsibilities when I was younger. And, um, and because of that, I think that I wanted so desperately to pursue my education and to get a career and to have, you know, quote unquote, a better life. Um, so I was the first in my family to go to college. I didn't really know what I was doing, uh, but somehow with the help of friends and school counselor, we all kind of like figured it out together to apply to college and only the amount of schools that we got fee waivers for. <laughs> I don't think I realized that I was working class when I was in high school because we were all, most of us were, were working class or poor. And so we didn't think twice about the fact that we needed fee waivers. And when I did get into college, I, I chose UCLA not because of its ranking, but because it was the closest to home. I didn't want to be too far away because I was at the time the first to move away from my home as well. So that was a really big deal and really scary um, and discouraged too. Um, but I, I decided to do it anyway, <laughs> despite my mom's fears and concerns. And I didn't you know what? I wasn't a great student or I wasn't a perfect student, I should say. Not in the way that I was accustomed to. I, I In my K through 12, I tried really hard to get straight A's. I was involved in a million things. I did theater most of my childhood from fourth grade all through high school. By high school, I was the, the lead in most productions, except for any musical because I can't sing. I try and nope. I cannot see. <laughs> um, so I did theater and well, I, when I got to college, I continued to do theater and I, I didn't know what to major in. Like I said, I, I struggled, especially my first year or two. It was a big transition. It was a big culture shock. And um, I remember, <laughs> I remember just struggling with my general education courses uh, because I I guess I didn't realize just how little I knew um, from what I was taught in high school until I got to college. And it was my first time having to go to tutoring and work my butt off just to get a B in a class. Even, you know, my first C I ever got in my life was in college and it was a neuroscience class that wasn't even a requirement. I took it for fun because I thought that maybe I might major in neuroscience to learn more about the brain, to learn more about what happened to my dad. That didn't work out. Math was another one. I thought I was gonna, I thought maybe I'll do math major. Uh, I passed out of the calculus um, AP exam, I, like, I, you know, with flying colors. I was always really good at math and, but I, but math ended up boring me. And so I decided to pursue English, even though I always struggled with English, uh, English literature. I struggled um, with that because in elementary school, I was placed in ESL classes, English as a second language. I didn't actually, when I started school, I started school in first grade and I didn't go to kinder, didn't know anything, my letters, my numbers. Um, so I started school with this big language barrier and it kind of stayed with me throughout my schooling. I always kind of thought of myself as like, oh, I'm not, I'm not good at language arts or I'm not good at writing. I'm not good at reading. I struggled to read books. Later on, I, I, I learned a lot later that 
part of it was a combination of me being um, farsighted and, you know, seeing, reading books from up close hurts and strains my eyes and I needed glasses to help correct that. And then the other part of it is also learning that I'm more of an audio learner rather than a visual learner. Yes, I, 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 some visuals are helpful for me, but I actually retain more knowledge when I listen to it. And um, that's why I'm into podcasts and audiobooks now. <laughs> so um, yeah, I majored in English and minored in theater in college. I had no idea about majors like Chicanx studies, ethnic studies, area studies, American studies, um, education. You know, I would tell some of my students in the past that if I knew now what, if I knew now, oh, if I was an undergrad and knew what I know now, I would probably have been a Chicanx slash social uh, sociology double major with an ed minor or something like that I actually was an ed double minor and didn't finish my classes in undergrad and didn't want to stay a fifth year so I never finished my ed minor but yeah education has always been um, a big kind of interest of mine and even now um, you know uh, post PhD I got my PhD in theater and performance studies and people are always shocked about that because it's not something that I'm like applying in a very kind of apparent direct way in what I do now um, but after getting my PhD the work that I've been doing with another collective I'm part of with the Chicana Motherwood Collective has been more kind of in that ed higher ed routes is studying um, and shedding light on the experiences of mothers of color in the academy and even now, the work that I do now with grad school filmtering, it is about higher education. So there's there's a clear interest of mine in, in higher education and the experiences of first-generation students, students of color, um, and low-income students or working-class students, poor students. Um, so there's that connecting thread, I think, for me. So um, in undergrad, I was part of a program called the Mellon Mays Undergraduate. <laughs> fellowship and um, that's where I got introduced to the academy to research to um, getting a PhD I didn't even know that a PhD was an option until I started until I, I applied and, and started learning more about about grad school and in retrospect I think that one of my criticisms of programs like Mellon Mays and McNair, and it's not even, I don't even know that there's a lot that you can do about it within the structure. Perhaps you can add a couple of extra workshops here and there, but it would probably go against the mission. So, but my critique is that I wish that I had been taught that I had more options, that I had options outside of um, getting a PhD or getting a master's, or that getting a PhD could lead to a career outside of um, academia. Because when you're in it, there's, especially in research programs and PhD programs, there's this huge emphasis on the apprentice model and teaching you to become like your faculty mentor, like your advisor. And um, that means becoming a professor a tenure track professor, ideally at an R1 institution, at a research one institution where rankings are high and you become a stellar scholar, 
you publish your book to get tenure, then you publish your second book to become an associate, and then a third book for fun. <laughs> and that's your life, you, you know, academia becomes your life. But um, yeah, I wish I had known what I know now about, about the fact that you can pursue grad school and you can have multiple options. So what happened for me was I went on, thanks to the support of that program, to apply and get into grad school. I started a PhD program in theater and performance studies. Again, struggled because I went straight out of undergrad. I wouldn't change it. It was the right decision for me at that time based on my circumstances. But there was a big age gap between myself and my colleagues. There was a lot of infantilization, a lot of ageism. And then combine that, that gets kind of compounded with the fact um, that there's also sexism and racism. I was in a predominantly white department. And so I struggled with a lot of micro and macro aggressions from some of the faculty that I worked with. I struggled with working with a toxic advisor. I struggled with thinking that there was something wrong with me when it was actually the space that made me feel like I didn't belong. And, you know, I did my best and from an outsider's perspective, I think some folks thought I was doing great. I was getting really big name fellowships. I was like passing, meeting all of my milestones. Um, but I also kind of burnt out really, really badly. I developed a chronic illness um, during the end of my second year of grad school. Uh, during my third year, I had a baby and I had major complications. I nearly died giving birth. After that, I had severe postpartum depression. And it's not just your regular depression because I've had depression before. I've had it in and out most of my life. When I say severe post postpartum depression, it means it was so bad I needed to get professional help, go see a psychiatrist, get on medication to make sure that, that I would be okay, that I wouldn't hurt myself or someone else around me. It was really scary. Um, it's hard to talk about that openly. I mean, I think a lot more and more people are being open about talking about um, mental health issues, but when you, when it's severe, it's, you really, you need professional help. And thankfully I had access to those resources as a graduate student. And, um, so then that, and then again, from an outsider's perspective, I'm still meeting milestones. I'm still moving along. I'm still kind of, you know, I still passed my qualifying exams, worked on my dissertation proposal that went well, was working on my dissertation. I had a relatively, you know, decent timeline. And we even got to the point of applying for academic jobs. I got on the job market, I got interviews. And then it just hit me. I've, I've said this multiple times. Those of you that know me, you're probably like, okay, I've heard this story before, but it just, it hit me so clearly during in the middle of an academic interview, realizing, oh my gosh, I'm going to be the uh, diversity hire. I'm going to be the only person of color in this department. Um, they opened this line for Latinx theater and it's just going to be me in the middle of nowhere in a predominant, predominantly white department working for predominantly white students. I had been a TA for a department with predominantly white theater students who you know, not all of them, but a good portion of them were very entitled and disrespectful. And they would kind of leave my classroom and say it was because their agent called without any concern over the fact that I was teaching. 
um, you know, that lack of kind of respect over myself and what I was offering them. And I realized, oh my gosh, I can't do this. And then on top of that, I realized, wow, these jobs, their priorities are not aligned with mine. Like they prioritize research, then teaching, then service. And for me in, in grad school, I loved mentoring, mentoring, service work, showing up to things, helping people out, being of service, helping people out. That's my jam. Like that's my thing. I love it. Like I get a high off of it. I, I really, really like helping others out. And I was like, I don't, I don't think this is going to work out. What can I do? And it felt like a breakup because deciding to leave the academic job market meant um, disappointing my advisor. It meant disappointing some of my academic friends. Some people stopped talking to me, but um, it was the right decision for me because I wanted more for myself. I wanted uh, to work in student affairs, academic affairs, work directly with students, specifically students that I could relate to. So students of color, first-gen students. And so that's how I ended up landing. Well, my first job was at a scholarship resource center, helping students apply and win national and international merit scholarships. I mean, I like, I got really good at applying to fellowships and scholarships and got really good at helping others get them too. <laughs> And then, um, and then my second job was the McNair job, which was um, the one that I recently left. That was where I started as an assistant director, got promoted to associate director, and was in line to become a staff, the, the, the full-time staff director of the position. But then I realized, oh my goodness, it's hitting me again, just like it hit me in grad school. Like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I don't think I want to be a tenure track professor Similarly, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to be working for a program where the goal is just go to grad school and no other option in between. Because it wasn't encouraged to take a gap year. It wasn't encouraged to pursue something outside of like a career where you can diversify higher education. And to me, it didn't kind of sit right with me to keep working especially when, again, I was getting sick. Again, I was uh, struggling with kind of my, my boundaries and taking care of myself. And so I made the, the big decision of leaving. And how does this kind of happen? I think, you know, when I think back, like, what are the, the baby steps? Because I do think it's important to shed light, not just like the big milestones and the big things that we do, uh, life transitions and um, highlights and achievements. I also think it's important to think about what are the little baby steps, the things you're doing day by day that eventually kind of help you build that momentum to get to that, whatever the, the, the main goal is, the big goal is. And I think for me, it probably got started in 2018 where that seed got planted. So sometimes maybe that might be the title of this episode, Planting Seeds. Um, the seed that planted my ability to let, leave my job and, and, and take, take courageous steps in my life, more courageous steps, was when in 2018, I realized I really need to like figure out my budgeting. Like I really need to learn more about financial literacy. I knew the basics, but I just was not where I wanted to be for my age. 
And so in doing so, I started um, listening to podcasts, reading books, uh, listening to coaches and um, learning as much as I can, just retaining a lot, as much information as I could about financial literacy. And in learning about financial literacy, I learned about what it's like to start a business, what it's like to start a podcast. And I think that was just the seed. It was there in the back of my head as I was learning. And then in 2019, 2019, I started to struggle with my health again. I realized, oh my goodness, like this is not, um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get a lot of ongoing stomach issues and migraines and seeing multiple specialists. And my priority that year was to kind of get my health in order. And um, along with that, I also decided I need to get a new therapist, someone who's a good fit for me. I was able to find someone who is amazing, who I'm still seeing now. And oh my goodness, I'm going to be so sad when I can't stop seeing her um, because she's a woman of color. She's a mom of two. I, okay, I need to stop, but she's incredible. She, yeah, it's a really good fit. Let's just say that. So I, I found a new therapist um, and trust me, it was not a quick and easy thing. It wasn't like, oh, I just found her great. It, it took multi, me reaching out to multiple people, doing kind of um, intake meetings, realizing mm, I don't want to work with that person until I finally, I didn't give up. I just kept looking and looking and finally found her. Um, I also started learning more in 2019 about kind of early on about life coaching. I was like, what is that? It seems kind of sketchy I was like what are these people telling you that you can kind of change your life I was like they don't know about my circumstances they don't know about my struggles they don't know about my finances acting here like I can just drop all this money to change my life Uh, (laughs) not realizing that then I would be like (laughs) doing all the things (laughs) to change my life um, and, but in 2019 again those were all little seeds I, I started the podcast and it was did I have I mentioned this on the, the podcast? Some of y'all send me an email if I have, but I started the podcast kind of as a joke, like not taking it seriously. It was because I was trying to research different options of podcasting hosts and platforms for Chicana Motherwork because we have a podcast for that too, for the um, the collective too. So I was trying to bring uh, research options, learn about different technologies, what would make it easier for us to record our weekly episodes. And I found that I found the platform that I use now and I decided okay let me test it out I like made a name I was like what do I do a lot what do I do a lot I was like I femtor okay and I'm femtoring about grad school so I just grad school femtoring I didn't even give it a second thought it wasn't a super intentional name (laughs) I wish it was but it wasn't and then I recorded my first episode again like not taking it seriously and then next thing you know I started realizing, okay, my students are asking me the same questions. Let me just record something, send them the link. Let me record. And I just kept doing it. And initially it wasn't consistent. And then eventually I started doing bi-weekly episodes and then it got to weekly episodes. And here we are now doing two episodes a week. <laughs> I don't know how, but somehow, somehow I'm making it work. Uh, so that was 2019, I started the podcast. And then, oh my goodness, 2020 hit us. Oh, did it hit us? And in 2020, actually, right before we found out about the pandemic, I found out I got pregnant, and we um, applied for a home to to buy a home. So we bought a home that year. 
I started working remotely for the first time in my life. I did not realize that that was even really an option. And because I didn't realize it was an option, I think I never pursued it, but it was a really good thing for me, for me and for my physical health and my chronic illness, it has been a huge blessing. So I started doing that. And then again, I just kept doing like, kept learning and listening and just opening myself up to opportunities. And, um, and I think that by 2021, it just like, I just couldn't, I couldn't not listen to my, the voice, you know, the voice that, that was like, I don't know what you call it. And some people might call it intuition or your gut or I don't know, <laughs> but I just kept having kind of breakdowns and realizing, oh, I can't keep doing this. I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. In fact, that's what I wrote about. And that's what I, um, that's what I shared. I shared an updated testimonio when I had recently, I had a keynote for the International Association. Um, what is it? I am, I am Moss Association. So International Association of Maternal Action and Scholarship. If you Google I-A-M-A-S, I-A-M-A-S, they have a YouTube um, channel. And I was, I was, the Chicana Mother work was the keynote for this year's conference. I was one of the um, guest speakers and I give my updated testimonio there. So if you want to hear more about kind of my testimonio in relation to being a mother scholar, um, you can check it out there. But um, yeah, that's what I talked about. It was just like, I just, I, this is not sustainable. I can't do this anymore. Like I, my, my body's falling apart. My mental health's not great. Like I need to do something different. And um, not only did I decide to leave my job, but decided to kind of start the process of moving my family abroad. And so this is where I'm at now. I um, filed grad school fem touring as an LLC, created a website, created an email list. I'm starting a support group this Thursday. Yay. I'm so excited for y'all who signed up. There might still be a spot to open. So this episode's coming out on Wednesday and Wednesday is the last day to sign up. So if you're listening to this Wednesday morning or afternoon and you want to join us, <laughs> then go ahead. The link is going to be in the description for this podcast episode and uh, um, on Instagram and uh, probably my email list, and it's not on the website, but the podcast description um, is the best place to get the link, or you can Google it, Grad School Femtoring Support Group. It's an Eventbrite um, link, and you'll find it right away. Uh, so sign up. There might be one or two spots left. You'll know if you sign up and it works, then that means there's still spots. So I'm starting that, which I'm, I'm really excited about, and um, I am also booking um, coaching meetings, more of them and, and getting more consultations and um, the consultations, I don't, I haven't even really made this kind of public, but um, I should, I need to kind of put myself out there more. I, I do offer free half hour consultations. So if you're someone, you have a quick question, you're stuck on something, you know, it's something that I can help you out with in half an hour, it's a free half hour session take advantage. I love meeting my listeners and followers and supporters, my community. So please don't be shy. I'm that shy person. I'm that shy introverted person. So if you're like me, don't do that. Don't stay away. Like reach out. If I have spots available, why not? If I don't have spots available, then you're going to have to wait until spots open up. But for now, um, yeah, I, I've got 
a um, Calendly link. Um, and I'll put that also on the this podcast description too uh, for you to sign up uh, for a free consultation. If you just want to chat with me, an informational interview, you name it, it's your half hour. Um, and I do it because I, I like, I actually appreciate and uh, enjoy meeting new folks. So um, yeah, I'm doing more consultations and coaching sessions. I think I'm getting a little busier because folks are applying to grad school right now. Folks are applying to fellowships right now and folks are applying to academic jobs right now. And they want a second set of eyes or they want input or they want help with a mock interview or whatever is coming up for them. They're reaching out for help. And some people just want accountability. That's all they want. They want someone that they can just vent to. That's cool with me too. That's coaching is coaching for a reason. Like it doesn't have to be me helping you with a, with document review services. Um, and I'm also starting a blog, y'all. <laughs> I've been wanting to do a blog for years and then just stopped and stopped and stopped. And what, why? Because I'll be honest with you. I still struggle with writing. I wrote a whole ass dissertation and I think that academia, what it did to me was it um, really discouraged me from, from writing for fun, from writing creatively and from, I think there was, I, I wrote from a place of fear and um, from a place of, people pleasing like I needed to write the right article according to whatever like my advisor thought was a good topic and whatever reading was like a hot reading for the field etc cetera, etc cetera. and so I, I lost that you know when I was in uh, from elementary through early years of college I, I was more I self-identified as more of a creative person and I feel like I lost some some people call it I think they call it spirit murdering where you kind of you lose a part of yourself in the process and I think that's what happened to me with my writing and so I want to get back to writing and so I'll be posting um, blog posts on the, on my website gradschoolfemturn.com similar related to related to applying to grad school related to radical self-care related to um, uh, just uh, I don't know organizational tips mindset and coaching stuff so um just keep an eye out because uh, i think starting um next month which is only a few days away <laughs> so, uh, I, i'm gonna be posting blog posts every other week so i'll, I'll put up put one up or publish one um yeah every other week so twice a month i'll, I'll try to do that and what else i think that's that's where i'm at now i'm like what changed? I think for me, it was a big mindset shift. I think it was focusing on a growth mindset or what some people might call an abundance mindset, um, doing things from a place of courage rather than a place of fear, um, rather than a place of scarcity, uh, rather than a place of envy, um, and uh, rather than a place of comparing myself to others, rather than a place of people pleasing. So kind of straying away from that, opening myself up to new opportunities and constantly, constantly, oh my gosh, the learning never ends. And that's a good thing. I think your learning shouldn't stop when you're done with the PhD and your learning shouldn't just be coming from people more experienced than you in your career. It should be coming from people of all walks of life. It can. I'm learning from my kids. I learn from my listeners. I learn from 
the custodian, you know, at whatever event I was at, you know, that, that greeted me and treated me right. And, you know, reminding me about humility. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I'm at now. And I wanted y'all to have that. <laughs> I wanted you to have that opportunity to hear more about kind of how I got to where I'm at in hopes that you all will start to plant your own seeds too. So I think that's all I want to say for today. Um, uh, thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you all next time. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anchor page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Fem Touring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at yvettemartinezvu.com. Until next time. <laughs>